good. That's good. And we're in this series called Forward in Faith, and, and we've been using the word forward kind of as an outline, and we've already talked about the, the F in forward, which means to follow Christ, what it truly means to be a follower of Christ, to be a disciple of Christ. And we spoke on the O, which is a obedience, um, obeying. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And then we began to speak on the R in forward, which is uh, reach. And, and our, our text for this series is the Great Commission. Now, the Bible doesn't use the word the Great Commission. That's just what we call these verses. When Jesus left earth, he left us this commission. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, where it says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. That is the Great Commission. And um, I want to make sure you know that, because I will tell you this, the vast majority of Christians today, if you ask them, what is the Great Commission, they don't even know. It's true. But you know, you are without excuse, because I've been reading it every week for months here, and we're going to continue reading it. And the word commission has several meanings. It means an authoritative command or an order to do something. It means to send on a mission, but I like this. It also means to give the power and authority to carry out the mission. I love that. So it, it, Jesus sent us on a mission. He commissioned every believer to make disciples. He sent us on the mission, and he, he gave us power and authority to make disciples, to, to reach people for him, and then to teach them the truths of his word, to help them mature in their faith and, and become like him. Now, today I'm going to talk about five ministries we all can do, five ministries we all can do to fulfill our mission from God in a sermon entitled, Made for Missions, Made for Missions. God has a purpose for your life. I love it. That one, of the, one of the songs we sang today, there was a, a verse in the, the song that, that said, burning, uh, burning with purpose. To align, to align with your will, something like that. I, I love that. We should be people who are burning with purpose. Yeah. Out of anybody yeah. on this planet. Some people are burning to make a lot of money. Some people are burning to get famous. That's what their purpose and their goal. But we should be burning with this commission that, that we have from God and these ministries we have from God. And, and God has a purpose for each of us. And, and, and it involves these five things I'm, I'm going to be talking about today. It involves all of those. But he also has an individual plan and purpose for your life. Now listen, it should not take a lifetime to figure that out. If you don't figure out what you're supposed to do until the end of your life, you just spent your whole life trying to figure something out. If you look in the Bible, I, I thought about this, you know, in the, when Jesus began his ministry. Well, first of all, when Jesus was 12, he knew he should be about his father's business. He knew it then, at 12. And when he started his ministry... After he got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and then tempted in the wilderness by the devil, he went back to his hometown of Nazareth and stood up in the synagogue and took out the scrolls and turned to Isaiah. And he read this to them, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty of, to those who are oppressed, to, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He, he said, Here is my mission. Here is my mission. 
This is what I am here to do. He knew what he was here to do, and he did it. And the rest of the Gospels are the story of how he did those things. Paul, think about this. Paul, we, we talked about Ananias last week and how Ananias went to Paul and prayed for him after Paul got converted on the road to Damascus. And, and God told Ananias, here's what I want you to say for him. Here's my call on his life. Go to the Gentiles and to the kings and to the nation of Israel and share my good news with them. He gave them, he gave them that mission. So when, in 2 Timothy, when Paul was on pretty much about to die, the last, the last thing he wrote, he said, I, 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 have, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my race. How did he know he finished it? Because he knew what he was supposed to do. And he did it. And when he was done, he said, I did what God called me to do. You should be able to know this is the purpose and plan of God, the will of God, the mission of God for my life. If you don't know what it is, I encourage you, fast and pray every day until you find it out. And don't wait 40 years to figure it out. Figure it out now because God has a plan for you now. And his plan is greater than your own dreams and your own limitations and your, and your own desire for success. success. Listen, you were made by God for God. Yeah. Listen to me. You were made by God for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. It's not just about you. It's about God. And you find your purpose for life in God. Proverbs 16, 4 says, The Lord has made everything for his own purposes. He made you for his purpose. You were made by God for God. You were made for missions and put on the earth to fulfill the purposes of God. And no matter how much success you have in other things, if you miss God's eternal purpose for you, you miss the point of life. Jesus says, what, what is the profit of man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? And success in the eyes of man is meaningless. It's success in the eyes of God. What is success in the eyes of God? To know and do his will. To know and do his plan. To know and do his purpose. Don't go many more days without figuring out God's plan and purpose for your life. Now today I'm going to give you five things that are God's purpose for you, for all of us as believers. And your God's plan and individual purpose for you will be aligned with these, first, these things. And first of all, I want you to know, you are wired to worship. You are wired to worship. You were planned for God's pleasure and planned for God's glory. And your first purpose and your highest priority is to worship God. Your primary purpose in life is to glorify God in everything you say and do. Everything. The Bible says in Hebrews 2.10, God is the one who made all things and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children share his glory. It's all about the glory of God. And listen, this is a real key in life for you. In everything you do, if you're trying to make decisions and you're wondering, is this, is this for me? Is this the will of God? One of the things you can ask, does this glorify God? Is what I'm wanting to do, will it bring glory to God? Because that is our purpose in life. Worship, I'm going to talk about it just a little bit today, but not much because I'm going to be talking about it in, in weeks to come. But we'll just define it today and speak for, on it for a few minutes. But I want you to know that, that God created, created mankind to worship. So everybody worships. Everybody worships. The question is not if you worship. 
The question is, what do you worship? You were wired to worship God. And if you don't worship God, you will worship something. And what most people are worshiping is themselves. But here's, here's how we define worship. Romans 12.1, because of God's great mercy to us, Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service, pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Notice it says, because of his mercy, because of his love, because of his grace, because of who he is, then we worship him back. Our worship is our response to who God is. Our worship is a response to his love, to the greatness of his mercy, his, his, his grace. Worship is love expressed. Worship starts in the heart. Listen, but it doesn't stop there. Some people just think it's okay just to, well, I'm worshiping God in my heart. I don't have to do any of those outward things, lifting my hands, singing or shouting or doing any of those things. I'm worshiping in my heart. Worship starts in the heart. But then it's expressed in actions, spirit and truth, heart and actions, actions that are biblical, the biblical ways God says to worship, singing, shouting, dancing, crying out to him, bowing before him, all those ways, all those ways are ways we express love to God. But I want you to understand that, 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 that expressing love from God, the main way we do that is by giving to God. Now get this. When we worship God, we worship God when we give him thanksgiving and praise. When we give him the glory that's due his, we worship God when we give him our time. We worship God when we give him our money, our offerings. We worship God when we give ourselves, as Romans 12 1 says, completely to him. Whenever you give back to God, whenever you offer anything to God, that's called worship and that brings pleasure to God. Listen, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. For God so loved that he gave. The essence of love is giving. The essence of worship is giving. We don't worship. We don't come in here just to receive from God. Thank God we do. But that is a byproduct of our worship, of our giving to him. So when you say to God, Lord, I want to I know how to show my love to you. I, I, you do it by, he says, you do it by giving me your heart. You do it by giving me your, your life. You wonder, what can I give to God? Give him your life. Give him your heart. Give him the fruit of your lips, giving thanks to, to his name. Give him whatever, and giving to him is the way that you express your love to him. Romans 6, 13 says, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given a new life. Give yourself completely to God. What are you holding back? And why are you holding back? And let me ask you this. Think about it. What are you really worshiping? I will tell you what it is. It's what you give yourself to primarily. Where you give your primary attention, where you give your primary affection, where you give your, your primary abilities to. For, so, so in that in that definition, for some people, they, they, they worship their career. They live for their job. Some people worship making money. They live for money. Some people worship pleasure. Some people worship another person who they allow to dominate their life, and they give their total attention and affection and everything they have to that one person. Listen, the greatest temptation in life is to worship something or someone else. 
That's what the enemy wants to do. Get your focus of worship off of God and onto other things. And whenever you worship something other than God, you're always going to have chaos. You're always going to have conflict. You're always going to have major stress in your life. But God says, listen, if you will focus your attention on me, we sang it this morning. We sang, we sang kind of the Sermon on the Mount this morning. I love that song but where he says, seek me first and I will add all the other things. Seek first the, the kingdom of God. If you seek the Lord first, if you seek to, to give him your uh, focus and attention and affection, if you seek to give unto him every uh, and totally give yourself to him, God says, look, if you do that, I will take care of everything else. You won't have to worry about it. That's what he says in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't worry about those things. Listen, the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, they don't worry about what they eat or how they dress because I take care of them. If you, God says, if you focus on me, put me first, worship me, give to me, give me glory, I, I will take care of everything else. You were wired to worship. Make sure you're worshiping the Lord God Almighty. Second, you were formed for family. You were formed for family. Not just your own family, but the family of God. The Lord's family. And the Bible word for this is, is fellowship. Fellowship is expressing love for, for God's family. Uh, and the entire Bible is really a story of God building a family. If you think about it, you look, it, it's a story of families from Adam and Eve and then Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I mean, you go, it goes on, David, Solomon. It's, it's families God dealt with. And, and God wanted children. That's his eternal purpose. He had a son he loved so much, Jesus Christ, that he wants a vast family of children just like that one. Just like that one. Ephesians 1.5 says, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Our first purpose in life is to, to love God and to worship God. But then the second purpose is to love others. Loving God and loving people. 1 Peter 2.17 says it this way. Love the family of believers. How much do you really love the family of believers? I am sick and tired of people getting online or, or and talking about talking down about the church, on, putting church down, yeah. uh, the bride of Christ, the pillar and ground of truth, the household of God, the family of God, and yet some people just want to sit around dissing the church, putting the church down. But God says, "This is my family." This is a family of believers, and we need to love each other. It's an expression of love. Jesus said that people will know that I was sent by the Father if you have love one for another. Listen, some of us grew up in homes where there wasn't a lot of love. I was thinking about that last night. Pastor Deb, her brother's wife just died after fighting cancer for 14 years, and she had called him and talked to him and just... We got to thinking about the childhood, and there really was not much love in her home. And, and when you grow up that way, and uh, uh, some of us did, it's hard to know how to love other people. It's, when you talk about family, it's, it's just like a, a mess and a chaos to you. So we've got to be taught. We've got to be taught the Word of God and what God teaches us about family, and he does that through his family, the church. That's where we learn to love, learn to love people, not perfect people. That's another thing I'm tired of, people getting upset with churches because somebody did something wrong or said something wrong or wasn't perfect. None of us are perfect. But we got to love each other. 
we got to learn how to love each other. First John 4, 22, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Love, must. We're in this cancel culture where people just want to cut you off, get out of a relationship, write you off, and have nothing to do with you. And people are doing that with church, and, and, and I just hate it because I know they're hurting themselves. They're hurting themselves. 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 15 tells us, I want you to know how people who are, I want you to know people of God's family must live. God's family is the church of the living God. It's God's family. It's not just a place to go. I know we say I'm going to church, and, and that's a legitimate statement, but, but some people reduce church just down to a place I go once a week, occasionally. Technically, church is not a place you go to. It's a family you belong to. It's a people you love. It's not a building. It's not a service. It's not an institution. It's not an organization. It's not a club. It's a family. And listen, it's impossible to fulfill the purposes of God in your life without the family of God. I have preached many times about all the one another's in the Bible. There are dozens of them that we should do. Love one another, serve one another, uh, all the things we should do for one another. You can't get that, give that if you're just cut off from family and on your own. You were not meant to go through life alone. We need each other. And some people say, well, I, I'm a Christian. I just don't want to belong to any church. And it just doesn't make sense. It's like saying, I'm a football player. I just don't want to be on a team. How are you going to play football without a team? It's like saying, I'm a tuba player. I just don't want to be part of an orchestra. You ever heard of any tuba solos? I mean, there's not many. <laughs> it's like saying you're a soldier, but you don't want to be a part of an army. That's how crazy it is to say, I'm a believer, but I just don't want to be part of God's family. God created us and formed us to be a part of his family. He never meant for us to be alone. Romans 12, 5 says, in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We are so far from that in America because we are also self-sufficient and independent and and. Don't want other people to know our needs and don't want to share and don't want to ask for prayer sometimes. But look, we, if, if something's going on with me, I'm asking for prayer. I want as many people that I know to be praying for me. Think about Alan Tatiana right now. You know how they're able to get people out and to, to, they have contacts of churches. They're not depending on governments. They have churches and missionaries and ministries around Poland and Romania and, and, and Eastern Europe who are willing to open up their doors and take these people in. It's the family of God ministering to the, the family of, of God. And that's what God wants us to do. We belong to each other. And the churches where we live out our, our faith and, and show what it means to be a Christian. And this is how we move forward in faith and discipleship. Thirdly, you were created to become like Christ. You were wired for worship, formed for family, and created to become like Christ. The word for this is discipleship. Discipleship is the process of becoming like Christ. I'm not going to speak much on this today at all either because this whole series is on discipleship, and I'm going to be talking about it more in upcoming sermons. Romans 8.29 says, From the very beginning, God knew who would come to him, and he chose them to become like his son, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's God's plan and God's purpose for you, that you would become like him. You're never going to be God, but God wants you to become godly. 
He wants you to develop character. What does that look like? It looks like Jesus. Don't make it complicated. This whole thing is about worshiping Jesus and being conformed to his image. Ephesians 4.15 says, God wants us to grow up like Christ in everything. Everything. And that's a process. That's a process we're all in. Maturity doesn't happen overnight. It's not like one day all of a sudden, zap, you're like Jesus. It's like Larissa said, it's from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. A little here, here a little, there a little. A line upon line, precept upon precept, all those things. But there are ways we grow in discipleship, and it takes an entire lifetime. It's going to take the rest of your life to, for God to build the character qualities of Jesus Christ in you. But that's the plan of God for our lives, that we become like Christ. That's why everything you go through, good, bad, and ugly, God works it together for his purpose. For your good and for his purpose, that is the verse right before the one I just read, that you will be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So work it out for your good. Please understand this means that you be, your good is that you become like Christ. It's not just that you get the new house or the new car or all the blessing. It's that you become like Jesus Christ. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. Number four, you were shaped to serve God. You were not saved just to sit through a weekly church service. You were saved to make a difference in life, to make a difference in other people by serving God and serving others. This is a ministry. Ministry is serving God by serving others. And the Bible says we're created to serve, we're saved to serve, we're gifted to serve. God made you to make a difference, and you are uniquely shaped for ministry. And God will never give you an assignment without equipping you to do it. Job 10.8 says, your hand shaped me and made me. And I want to briefly give you five things that God uses to shape you to serve. We're going to talk about each of these. Spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, experiences, and that spells shape. God uses all five of those things to uniquely shape you differently from anybody else on the face of this planet. And he shaped you for the purpose of serving him. God made you unique. And 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received, how to serve others. This is the purpose of God's gift. That's how we minister. And listen, a minister is not just a pastor or a missionary. Every believer in Jesus Christ is a minister. Minister simply means using the way God shaped you to serve and using that to serve others. So anytime you use your talents, your abilities, your experiences to help somebody else, that's called ministry. All women are ministers. All all men who are believers are ministers. Children, older people, anybody who names the name of Jesus Christ, Christ, we are saved to serve him by serving others. Now, I want to help you today to discover how you should serve. And and these five things, the word shape, S stands for spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it teaches that the gifts of the Spirit are given to us to profit the whole church. So if you don't discover, listen, if you don't discover and use your spiritual gifts, something is lacking in the church. So if you ever feel like, man, something's lacking in church. (laughs) I'd just be bold enough to ask you, do you know your spiritual gifts and are you using them as a way God called you to do it? If not, there's one of the things that's lacking in the church. And if a lot of people aren't doing that, 
And in the majority of churches, the majority of people are not using their spiritual gifts. Most people don't even know them. If I came around with a microphone, I'm not going to do that. Could you tell me your spiritual gift? You need to know your gift. By the way, in our, in our grace journey, our discipleship process, we have, we have tests to help give you to, to, we give you to help discover your spiritual gift. We want to help you do this because your spiritual gift is the key to your purpose. For instance, if God calls you to teach, he'll give you the gift of teaching. If God calls you to administrate, he'll give you the gift of administration. If God calls you to sing and be on a worship team, we're going to audition you. If you can't sing, we're going to say, that's not the call of God for your life. But let's help you find the call of God for your life. Because discovering your spiritual gift is a key to your purpose. H stands for heart. What's in your heart? Your heart is your innermost being. It's the source of your hopes, your desires, your ambitions, your, your dreams. It's what you're passionate about. The Lord says, serve him with all of your heart. So what's your heart to do? Most people can't answer that question. So I'll give you a uh, I'll give you a, a statement you can finish. If you can finish this statement, something to your heart. Somebody ought to do something about blank. <laughs> In the blank. That, that, the fact that that says maybe that's something that God has placed in your heart to do. Maybe that shows you what's in your heart for ministry. A stands for your abilities. We call them natural talents, but they're still God-given. Some people are naturally athletic, some intellectual, some are good with words, some are good with numbers, some are good with mechanical things. Whatever ability God has given you, God can use it for his glory. Think about people in the Bible. They were farmers and they were fishermen and, and, and all these shepherds, all, all the different things they did. God used it for his glory. P of personality, it's your temperament and other traits that make you you. And some people are outgoing and some are introverted, some are thinkers, some are feelers, someone like, some like routines, some like writing. There's no wrong personality for ministry. It will, it will impact the way you use your gift. For instance, you could have a gift of evangelism and be either introverted or extroverted. And the extroverts are the ones out on the street with a bullhorn, repent or you're going to go to hell. Introverted evangelists are, are more low-key, and they, they, they have lifestyle evangelism. They live their life in front of people that cause people to know what is it about you, and they, they build relationships, and it's a more low-key low thing. We need both of those kinds of evangelists. And then the E stands for experiences. You're the experiences of life. God uses everything, good, bad, and ugly, to shape you for your good. So your family experiences, what did you learn growing up? You might have learned a lot of good things from your family. You might have learned from your family how not to do family. But you learn from your family, from your educational experience. What were your favorite subjects? From your vocational experience, what jobs do you enjoy the most? From your spiritual experiences, what's been your most meaningful times with God? Your ministry experiences, have you served God in the past in ways that really gave you joy? From your painful experiences. What problems, what hurts, what trials have you learned from? Don't waste your sorrows. Don't waste sorrows. By the way, there's a great book called that. You ought to read it. Don't waste your, your sorrows. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, We minister to others and give the effort that we receive from God. It, it, it takes going through some things to be able to comfort people. Hebrews 6, 10 says, God will not forget how hard you've worked for him and how you've shown your love for him. How? By helping needy Christians. 
You show you, one of the ways you show your love for God is by helping other believers. One of the ways you show your love for God is reaching out to those in the, helping those in Ukraine get to safety, helping those here, feeding people in nursing homes, helping needy people. That's, that's showing our love for God. And then lastly, you were made for missions. You need a ministry to believers and you need a mission to unbelievers. In 1 John, in John 17, 18, Jesus prayed this to the Father. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I gave them a mission in the world. There's a common mission we all share believers. In John 20, 21, it says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. What are we being sent to? What's our mission? Well, Paul's real specific in Acts 20, 24, where he says, the most important thing is that I complete my mission. And we saw in 2 Timothy that he did. And here's his mission. The work the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. Listen, part of your mission will be to share the good news of God's grace to people. Once you know God's love you, God loves you. Once you know that God has a purpose for your life, God says, I want to, you to pass on evangelism. Evangelism is a Greek word for good news. And it says, once, the Bible says, once I know the good news, don't keep it to yourself. Show others. Tell others. How you, where are you supposed to share it? In Acts 1a, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus, he told them, where were they? The people he was talking to were in Jerusalem. That was their starting point. So what Jesus is saying here is, I want you to start at home. Home. Start with the people around you. Start with your family. Start with your friends. Start with your neighbors. Start with your community. Then go to Judea and Samaria. That's like the county next door or people down the road. And Samaritans are those that are, are different culturally and racially. So he says, I want you to go to people nearby but who are different from you. Don't go to just people who are just like you. <clears throat> then he says, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to go everybody else. I want you to share with those in my world, in your world. But listen, love demands that you get beyond your comfort zone and begin to reach the people from different backgrounds, different languages, different economics. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, I try to find common ground with everyone. I love this. Doing everything I can to save some, I do everything to spread the good news. In other words, I'm not just trying to reach people like me. I'm going to build bridges, not walls. I'm going to reach out to others. And God expects me to make the first move. And, and over and over again in the Bible, God says go. Think about the word go. You can't spell God without the word go. You can't spell good news without the word go. You can't spell gospel without the word go. You have to go. All of us have got to go and pray and give. Now, not all of us are going to actually go to a mission field, but we need to go to the mission field around us, the people who need Jesus, and we can pray for missionaries like we did today, and we can give the missions like we're asking you to do. Uh, you might not think you have to give, but look, give a dollar. Five dollars, somebody can get 50, somebody can get 100, it all adds up. But we only fulfill this great commission if we have great commandment love, that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love others as we love ourselves. Listen, if you love God, you will worship Him. If you love God, God's family, you will fellowship with you, will build relationships with them, their needs. If you love God, you will become like Him, and He is love. If you love God, you will serve Him by serving others. If you love God, you will want to tell others about Him. If you love others, you will want them to know about Jesus Christ. You were made for missions. So say yes to the call of God on your life today. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for each and every one of us, God, that you would show us your call, your ministry, your purpose for us 
Don't let any of us go through life just wondering what we should do. Because those who are just wondering just end up wandering. We don't want to wander our way through life. We want to be like Paul. We want to be like Jesus. We want to know our mission. We want to know our call. Lord, you've called us to worship. You've called us to love your family. You've called us, Lord, to serve. You've called us, God, for missions to reach out to the nations of the world. You've called us to ministry. You've called us to become like you. God, would you work all those things in us? And would you give us clarity? I'm praying this week you will give people clarity. Revelation concerning your call for their lives. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.